talked about how when people hear density, what they start thinking about and what they start getting scared of is not actually density. They start getting reacting to what they, to scale. Um, and I talked about that a little bit before because that's the reason. And I told them it's the reason I included that slide. <clears throat> yeah. Because the foreground is way more, way higher density than those towers you see at the bottom. By far. Right. Um, and, but we had an interesting question. And it was, I can't remember where she was from, maybe Cape Coral. Okay. And the question was if there's any specific research or any observations about the demographics of opposition to density or the conversations that happen in communities. What it, what it ends up being about is, is about change and, and people are happy and they don't want change in their community. They don't want to see a change. Later on, um, during, later on something came up and I think it was, someone asked for a good example. We were talking about housing and, it, well, it started off with a question about regulation. And then Juan and I talked about how we match regulation and the economics together because they have to work together right. and that's how you, how you really, you know, accomplish it. So they asked for a good example of that and I said North Miami and what we've done in the CRA with, with, with both having, having the right land development regs and the CRA and a project on 7th Avenue that's multifamily and didn't ask for CRA incentives. So we evolved the market that far. Yeah. Um, but what I told them was, once we were talking there, I, I said, you know, if we go back to that conversation about the question about demographics, I said, usually, not always, I said, but generally what I see is the opposition increases the wealthier the community is. Because the wealthier the community is uh, in a place like Miami <coughs> Beach, North Beach and, you know, voting down the Deauville in a place like Miami Shores and what's happening there now. Yeah, you know, these are places where people don't want change. People are generally happy with their community, the community they moved to or the community they've lived in for a while. Some people move there with with hopes for it being something more than it is. Right. But it said, you know, places like North Miami Beach, where we did major upzoning, places like North Miami, you know, places that are more welcoming to, for density are places that want to change. It's places where the community wants to improve and they want to see change in their community. And I talked about that in North Miami. I mean, we have not had, like, backlash. We didn't really have backlash when we did the upzoning in North Miami Beach. No. You know, it... And and because you people had the one thing up the, the one hotel up on West Dixie, right, right, that was it. Yep. And so, you know, but I will say that what occurs to me is yes, as it gets wealthier, absolutely true. But there's another group that is not on the wealthy end, but that is in traditionally historically black neighborhoods, whose concern is not necessarily scale or investment but displacement. Right. 
and gentrification. So that's the other group that I see come out because to them, increased density means you're going to push me out. Right. Which is diff a different fear than the qual what I'll call the quality of life fear on the on the higher end. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not the infill itself. There's other <coughs> things that, that that result in that gentrification, and it's not the actual infill. Well, yes. Yeah, I mean, they get priced out. They get right. Know, the the and, values increase so much. And and one of the things I think that we talked about there is a lot of that. A lot of times, not always, but in places where it's a lower income neighborhood, where you do, it's a historic neighborhood, right. where you do have low incomes, but with good levels of home ownership, right. it ends up being almost self-imposed gentrification. Right. Because these are low income families that have wealth in their property that they can't access. And the only way they can access it is to sell the property. And and they're they're not able to to stay to stay there, right. and so it's both the upward mobility, but yeah. the other thing when you don't do density, and this was one of the things everything from Pinecrest to to a little Haiti or North Miami, is you also don't have a place for empty nesters or people who are ready to downsize right. and stay in their community. Right. It's why you have a lot of uh, you know the upward mobility is why you have a lot of Caribbean origin that live in South Broward. Where they improve their economic condition, yeah. they want newer homes, they want better schools, yeah. and those things weren't available in the neighborhoods that Fair that right. were in Miami Dade. And they would have exactly, <laughs> and yeah. they would have liked to have stayed in their neighborhood, but their neighborhood no didn't right. really measure up any longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you're wealthy in a six thousand dollar home in Pinecrest, and the kids are gone, and you want to downsize, you can't really downsize and stay in Pinecrest. You know, so so it's not always a the the issues aren't always, you know, demographic or income based. There's some of those that that, again, are consistent. Interesting. So did did missing middle housing come up at all in this conversation? Yeah, one talked about that and had some examples, okay. um, especially when he talked about scale, um, you know, in neighborhoods and neighborhood compatibility. Yeah. One thing that I talked about was how you know what density is and what it's not how density makes design standards more feasible it lets you be stricter because of what it does to the economic to the feasibility of a downtown yeah, of an area true. and so it lets you incorporate more design standards because i think where where missing middle sometimes misses is horrible design um and so that neighborhood yeah. compatibility and character becomes so important there's one i drive by on the way here from from down west coming down west uh coming down 16th avenue from west dixie okay there's one i drive by that's just wrapping up that's just awful awful it's it's horrible and then you see other ones you don't even realize that's what it is yeah and so those i think that those design standards become a really critical hmm. thing that's to do like um as because that's how you retain your character because well and that's what i talked about in here was um i think it was it was one of the things here is, you know, people feared that change to the character of their community. Right. And so it's not, you know, you can deal with scale. You can deal with these other things. But one of the things that I told them about really is, is when I talked about sort of hopes and dreams and, you know, that as policymakers or as administrators implementing, um, you know, they've got to you know they're they're trying to improve their community and and I think this is this is one of the things in listening to everything going on in in the 
debate in Miami Shores is, and when we talk about change, and communities don't want change, well, communities are always changing. They're yeah. not staying in one place. They're, they're, they're getting better or they're getting worse. Right. And when we go around, so the, the rhetorical question I put to the group, I think when I was on this slide, I said, you know, we've, we've, we work in dozens and dozens and dozens of communities, and we've done a lot of public engagement, and we ask people, what do you want? And they all want to improve their community, and what are the things they list to improve their community? They want activities. They want things to do. They want events. They want places to work. They want it to be safe. They want it to be clean. You know, they want it to be affordable. They want great aesthetics. They want to be the best place for millennials. They all think they're already the best place for millennials. They want an innovation economy. So the question is, when you go down that list, does density help or hurt your ability to have those things? I think it helps every one of those. Yeah. I think if you're not willing to have that discussion, I think the other thing is, is understand that that even when we, you know, when we talk about balance and balancing regulatory and economics, well, density is one of your regulatory tools. And if from the start you won't even have that conversation, you've removed a tool that helps you even get to that balance yeah. or start answering how to improve, how to, how to accomplish those improvements your community But it's, it's one of your want. key levers to get what you want. But if you won't, if you won't even have the conversation, then you're missing the opportunity to kind of you know, get, make that happen. Right. Um, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, we talked about, you know, the improving or declining. Um, and then, again, if you won't have a conversation about density, you know, people, the other thing we hear is we want this type of restaurant. We want full-service restaurants. We want a grocery store. We want a Trader Joe's mm -hmm. or an Aldi or a Wawa or a Cheesecake Factory, whatever flavor of the month retailer it is. Right. Uh, which which is another part of the conversation here is some of those things that we hear come up, but reminding them that, you know, you as a city don't get to pick your retail. Retail picks its cities. And if you're not being picked for what you want, you got to understand why. And then you got to understand if you can do anything about that. And sometimes the answer to one of those, what you can do anything about is a conversation of density. So again, if you won't even start from a place of having that conversation um, and talk to each other and, and really... Having more of the right customers for the retailer you want. Yeah, and they're focused on something over here rather than the end goal of what they want for improvement in their, in their community. Right. And then the other, the other piece, you know, when we talked about scale is the fear of traffic and so what I told them here is, you know, the, the less dense, you know, people are scared of traffic when they hear density. The less dense your community is, the more traffic is your life already. You live in your car, right. you know, you live in your car to go to work, you live in your car to go to the grocery store, you, you're in your car constantly to do something. Mm -hmm. And so you'd rather be in your car than have the possibility of cars coming to your neighborhood. You'd rather spend all your time in your car is is what some of this kind of seems like but what it's done is you know the the suburbs that low density changing how cities have functioned for thousands of years and and this car dependence that created the suburbs is what created and drove the growth of the chain stores which is what killed our downtowns right. i mean our downtowns we you know the other slide we had healthy mix 
it's not just healthy mix of residential that we talk about a lot. It's, you know, our communities were grocery, hardware, men's store, women's store, toy store, you know, butcher baker, candlestick maker. And, you know, those are now all just departments at Walmart. You know, the city's market is gone. It drove away in a car. Yeah, all the market share Mm -hmm. went somewhere else. I agree. And so it's sucking the wealth out of your community. It's put outsiders in control of your community's commerce. Yes. And a conversation about density and keeping your character. That's where those design standards come in. All of that becomes important is how you can restore that. You know, make, you know, downtowns are not a place. I mean, Flagler's a perfect example, downtown Miami, you know. And we there's great downtowns around the country. There are and around Florida. There's there's some awesome there are ones. Some. Um but a lot of our downtowns are not places people want to be anymore. You know, and we talk about in you know, economic development, ultimately it's about creating a place people want to be, where they want to live, where they want to work, where they want to play, they where they want to spend their time shop. and money. And and those aren't downtowns anymore. You but know for the for the most part, this is true. I mean we, but we've seen many downtowns actually make some real headway. The way I like to describe it to people is, you know, like so I read an article yesterday from the Wall Street Journal about downtown Philly and that it's recovering and everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, they've got 70,000 residents downtown, right, in Center right. City, right, which is awesome. I would still push back, and I may because I got an email from the center, of the, uh, center city director, Paul, um, that this is great and it's great news that you're recovering, but I still want to understand and hear about your historical market share. Because if you think about, you know, a couple generations ago, so my parents' generation, my parents grew up as city kids, and their downtowns for shopping, for working, um, to a degree for living, because they were pretty much mixed use, um, their percentage market share of spending, let's say, on retail and entertainment was at least 60%. And right now, downtowns are jumping up and down if they have 15. Yeah. And it's it's like, hang on, let's let's get back to a real perspective here and understand if we really want to declare success for our downtowns, we better be closer to 40 to 50. Right. And we're just nowhere there, and it's like we've set our goals in the wrong place. And again, density gets back to that. And most downtowns don't have a big problem with density, except maybe in the smaller downtowns. Um, but um, we're, we're still just we don't have the vibrant cities you know if you go to europe and in some places south america their downtowns still have 40 to 50 percent market share right and we just don't even understand that we're we're so far behind again um and and for me that's part of where the conversation always has to start we of course we don't measure that we don't (laughs) we're afraid to measure that (laughs) yeah and and it's just you're right and it's just that's this car dependence it's, that's that's the, one, one, the thing that gets me the most in these discussions is we're so scared of traffic that we're going to continue such dependence on cars. Right. It's, and, and if you look at what that does has done in the suburbs, it's, you know, when you look at commercial corridors that are full of these chain stores <clears throat> that are sucking the money out of our downtowns or out of our communities, mm-hmm. with no aesthetic and no design criteria forced upon them, forcing their aesthetic and horrible design onto us as they suck our money out. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there are great downtowns. I mean, we've got them all over Florida. We've been well, taking and, pictures. And again, but, you know, if you think about the, the economic multiplier of spending your money at local enterprises versus national or global, um, you know, that's really a phenomenal way to get people to understand that, look, you know, you, just from a, a vitality and a vibra- vibrancy standpoint and a wealth building standpoint, you know, we're, we're, we've got the absolute wrong pattern going on. Right. Um, you know, and I mean, even as we work in some of the communities we work in, you know, that are struggling economically, it's like, no, you have, you have to figure out how to do that. And, you know, some of these, you know, even legacy small business people, how are you making sure that you've got the, the density and the number of residents and the type of people around that are going to support them and allow them not just to survive but to thrive? We kind of don't think about it that way enough, I don't think. Yeah, you've got you've to. It's interesting. We've got a number of downtowns that either we're familiar with or we work in. And... You know, some have similar characteristics, some are changing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a place like my downtown Miami Shores, it's where we talk about the balance besides the regulation and the economic feasibility. The third is that identity and brand. Yes, That's is. that place. Yep. That's where that design and the aesthetics and all that comes in. Right. You know, you look at, okay, you know, Miami Shores is a cute little downtown. It's got all this wealth right adjacent to it in these single families, family homes, but that doesn't make a market. Um, especially when you think about what's wa- actually walkable right. on a regular basis. You have regulatory challenges where so much of your space is occupied by doctor's offices and banks and, and uses that don't create activity. Right. Besides the balance, the other thing that, that I always talk about, which is the things that connect people to place. Again, what is where does density come in when you think about them? And it's the aesthetics, how it looks and feels. Yeah. It's the activities, the social offerings, the opportunities for people to engage with each other. Well, if you don't have any density, you don't have proximity of people. So you don't have that opportunity to engage with each other. And that's how open and welcoming a community is. Yes. And you look at the discussions in Miami Shores right now, you really? have a council member resigning her seat because supposedly, at least what, what was online, of at least in part just the tone of how these council meetings have gotten with the nastiness um, wow. by, by, by probably both sides, but especially more of the legacy side. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and so... Because in some ways, you know, they had a reputation of being open and welcoming. And in some ways they are. Yeah. Um, but it's very much, you know, it, it reminds me of what North Beach was like bef- right before I left the city. Hmm. Um, North Beach had was sort of a tell of two neighborhoods because you had, you had the still out. still a little more modest or lower income, yeah. older multifamily neighborhoods, right. and then you had these wealthy elitist sort island. of waterfront yeah. neighborhood single family neighborhoods uh, gated or soft gates yeah. Um, I yeah. that that had that same sort of attitude. Right. You know, and it's it's one of the things that be. I understand why a council member would leave. I mean. You know, it's probably one of the one of the contributing Ish. factors to my not wanting to stay there. Right. And hmm. and so it's it's you know when you don't have those opportunities for those social offerings and just that proximity and that, that again that engagement of people that wouldn't otherwise meet with each other 
You create that energy. You create that activity. Those eyes on the street that, oh, that you know you look for in in safety. Right. Um. It just yeah, it just becomes these hard conversations. And and what I've noticed is is sometimes it has to do. Everyone has their own perspective on this. And, and it's not that everyone should be forced to live in high-density buildings or in multifamily buildings. Everyone should be able to make that lifestyle choice for themselves. And it's in cities, really, you know, how do we create that opportunity for people to be able to, to make that choice for themselves and retain your character and, and your quality of life for your community? Um, but everyone has their different perspective, and, and our, our elected officials are the ones who have to balance that. You know, people's perspective sometimes is going to depend on how long they've been in the community, but not always. I mean, you have people that move into a community because of it's that way, and they don't want to see right. the the necessarily the, the the evolution either. Well, but you know, everything has a life cycle, right? You yeah. know, if you think back about even an investor life cycle, you know, as as you age, your investment criteria and and goals change over time, and so even as we age in our communities, um, we're going to we're gonna have a different perspective on it, I would say. Um, but you know what? You know what just occurred to me. This is interesting. So, you know, our clients are always asking us for examples of of where things work. You know, and you mentioned earlier. I think somebody said, you know, can you give an example of where um, this increase in density really worked out, and you kept retaining the character, you got the economic stuff, and everything else. And, and I think we give some pretty good ones. I would say we're way behind Europe and other places in terms right. of it happening. But what just occurred to me was to look at someone and say back to them, can you show me one example where it's all single family homes where you accomplish all those goals that you listed earlier, walkability, you know, great mix of restaurants and everything else where it's only single family and low density. Right. Can you give me one example where that exists? Because I can't think of one. Right. I'm trying to think of one too and I can't really think of one. Right. I mean, it's it's almost impossible. I mean, there's a place it could happen. I mean, it, downtown Miami Shores is Palm Beach be isn't the, like that. Yeah, it's not. Thank you for joining my conversation with Ken Stapleton about density, development, and drama. And please join us for part two, where we might even get into some of the deception and derangement side of density discussions. You also might just hear an answer to that question that Ken just posed, if that place exists. A little preview, I did think of an example later on in our conversation that we'll talk about. We'll also talk about density in business districts and bad uses and why wealthy neighborhood business districts are often underperforming, lack energy and activity, and sometimes are even declining compared to those in more modest communities that have great downtowns and where they really aren't afraid of having a conversation about the role of density. Which in reality, again, is the proximity of people to each other, engaging with each other. It's not incompatible building scale the way it's often portrayed by the troublemakers in communities. We'll also get more into the retail landscape and how low density has driven customers into the suburbs and community wealth out of state, also that we can avoid traffic, decry the death of downtown and small businesses, all while we drive endlessly far from home for goods, services, and our jobs. Thanks again, Ken, for joining us on another one of these conversations. 
Thanks, everybody. Until next time, be Blair or be square.